Hey guys, what's up? It is Cody Wynn, and this is the Faith Growth Podcast. And one of you guys had asked the question on what to do as a new beginner, uh, as, as a believer, and, and what does that kind of look like? Where do I go from the start? So I kind of want us to start at ground one, and then we'll, we'll kind of build on top of a foundation. So scripture tells us in Matthew 7 that if our foundation is off, then the entire building upon that foundation is also going to be off. So scripture talks quite regularly about this whole foundation and it's a pretty big deal to him and unfortunately i see many many christians in america today who have a very 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 broken foundation and their foundation is on sand in matthew 7 22 or excuse me 24 it says therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon a rock this is jesus speaking and the, ma- uh, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act upon them will be like the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So it means a lot to Jesus for our foundation to be correct. And if we go on to Hebrews, uh, in the ch- sixth chapter, it expresses even deeper what that foundation is. Because, you know, we, we have these Christianese terms like foundation, and it sometimes can be difficult to understand um, what is actually meant by them. So that's why I want to be able to break them down and get some more clarity in them. It says, therefore, leaving the elementary teachings, this is verse one of Hebrews six, therefore, leaving the elementary teachings about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying on again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. That's the, that's the gospel right there. Repentance and faith. Repentance of dead works and faith towards God, the instruction of washing in reference to baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, it's in reference to Jesus as well as, uh, as us being resurrected one day, and eternal judgment. And if we, and, and this we will do if God permits. For in this case, those who have been once enlightened and tasted the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the power of the ages to come and then has fallen away, it is impossible again to renew them to repentance since they will again crucify the Son of God and put him openly to shame. Those are heavy words. Those are really heavy words there in Hebrews. So it's really important that our first foundation that we build is the one that we see in Scripture. So um, with that being said, let's go into what that foundation is. Here's, here's what it sounds like. God is going to judge us by his holy standard one day, as we see in Romans 3. And it's going to sound something like this. He's going to run us through the Ten Commandments, his moral law that he's created for us to live by. And it's going to ask us, have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever looked upon somebody with lust? Have you ever hated somebody in your heart? Have you ever used God's name in vain? Have you ever disobeyed your parents? And so on and so forth. And the answer for most of all those questions will be yes for all of us, that we have broken his law in those ways. And we deserve hell because we've done that. We deserve separation from God. It's punishment that we deserve, which is um, prison without parole. And that is what we justly deserve in the sin that we find ourselves in. God created a standard. We broke his law. So in a court of law, God is the holy judge of the universe, and we are guilty criminals in his courtroom. And we deserve punishment for the way that we've lived. We all do because we inherently know the difference between right and wrong. No one had to tell you not to rape somebody for you to know you weren't supposed to do it. Same goes with murder and lying and blasphemy and adultery and so on and so forth. Yet we've done those things anyways. So that's really not good news, right? But the good news of the gospel 
is that God showed his love for us in this, Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So in the midst of us living in the sin, God, knowing that most of us would spit in his face, came down in the form of a man, and he came and lived the life that you and I could not live morally. He died the death that you and I deserve to live because of our immorality. And then he rose again, defeating death, hell, and the grave three days later. And now he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, cried out on the finish, or cried out on the cross, excuse me, it is finished. The work is done. The debt has been paid. So just like in a normal court of law, if you break a law, uh, if somebody comes in and pays your fine, you can be let out of that courtroom guilt-free. And that's what Jesus did with his life's blood on the cross 2,000 years ago. So that's really good news that we didn't deserve it. We haven't earned it. There's nothing that we could do to merit eternal life, yet Jesus gave it to us anyways through the basis of grace. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is the simplest form of the gospel I see in scriptures, saying, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, not of your own works, lest any man should boast, but it's a free gift of God unto salvation. We've been saved by grace. That was his part. Faith and repentance is our part. We'll be freed from the hell that we deserve after that, which is really, really good news, guys. I, I hope you guys see it as, as good of news as I do um, because it saved my life. It saved my soul, and I get to live in eternity with Jesus. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. I belong to, to, to him now instead of myself, and that's, that's really comforting. It takes a lot of pressure off me. So now that we know that and agree on the same gospel, hopefully that's the same gospel you gave yourself to. Now let's go from there and ask the question of what next? Well, if you go in Ephesians verse uh, or 2 verse 10, right after the gospel that I just preached, it says that we have been saved by grace through faith for good works. Not by good works, but for good works. So from here on out, we're supposed to live in accordance to how the word of God has told us to. Galatians 2.20 says, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in God. If we go back to the Sermon on the Mount, you'll hear me speak from this tons because this is Jesus' first sermon and it's waking up the church at the time and showing them the contrary um, of how they were living and what they thought that it looked like to live as a Christian. And Jesus gave them revelation on what it was actually supposed to look like. In verse 13 of chapter 5, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has become uh, tasteless, then how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp just to put it under a basket, but you are a lampstand. And, but on the lampstand, excuse me, and it will give light to the whole house. Let your light shine before men so that your good works can glorify your Father who is in heaven. This is what we've been called to do. We're supposed to let our light shine before all men so our good works can glorify our Father in heaven. There are three points to your walk with Christ I want to hit um, in this episode. Your upward relationship, your inward relationship, and your outward relationship. These three things make up your entire walk with Christ. I'm going to give a very, very broad overview right now. But this is the reality of what it is. Upward has to do with your alone time with the Father. This has to do with your prayer, your fasting, your reading of the word. Matthew 4, 4 says, Man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So it's a command for us to be in scripture. Psalms 1 says, How blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. This is the word of God. And he meditates it on both day and night, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season. And if its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he will prosper. It's not talking about financially, but spiritually. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff in the wind that drives away. 
Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but will make the way of the wicked perish. If we don't delight in the law of the Lord, we will perish. Scripture is clear on that. So it's extremely important that we are delighting in the law of the Lord. Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians that we're supposed to pray without ceasing, meaning without stopping. We're supposed to continually be praying and being in relation with God. We should be making that part of our everyday habit, not only praying in, in the middle of everything that's going on in our lives, but we should be intentional about having that alone time, that quiet time, that quote-unquote closet time that we're with God which again we see um, talked about in, in Matthew 6 in regards to when we go and pray, that we're not supposed to do it in front of everybody. Verse 5 of chapter 6 of Matthew says, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I tell you that they have received their reward in full in reference to what they've had seen by men. So that is the reward, is what men see from them. But you, when you pray, go into the inner room, close your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Again, that's spiritual reward. That's not talking about monetary blessings or you getting a new Bentley or something like that. It's talking to God or rewarding you um, for your obedience on this earth. We see that mentioned um, more so in 1 Corinthians 3 and Philippians 4 in reference to how God's got this reward he's going to give us one day for the way that we've lived. Matthew 25 talks about the parable of the talents and how we're going to receive um, more stewardship one day than what we've been given currently. So these are all spiritual pictures of blessing that we're going to be given. What does that specifically look like? I'm not really sure, but I know that we're commanded to do it. So that's your upward relationship. Then we have our inward relationship. If you read in Hebrews 10, 24, um, we'll read there first. Um, but there's, I mean, so many scriptures that talk about this exact same point. But Hebrews 10, 24 and says, uh, and let us not consider how to stimulate one another or let it, excuse me. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and to good deeds. Again, that is something that is done with other people. And then 25 says for, for do not neglect the gathering of the saints as is the habit of some, but encourage one another as you, all the more you see the day drawing near. So it's a command in scripture in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 there that we are commanded to fellowship with one another. We're supposed to be in relation with one another regularly. Verse 43 of Acts 2 says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. This is a reference to believers specifically here. Uh, Actually, let me go up a a little higher. In verse 42, it says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles and all those who had believed had all things in common and they were, and they began selling all their property and possessions and they were sharing with all as any may have a need. Day by day, continuing in the, or in one mind and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking meals together in gladness and sincerity of heart and praising God and having favor with all people as the Lord was adding to the number of those who are being saved day by day. Again, this is a command in scripture for us to be in fellowship with one another. If we go to Matthew 28, it says, go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you look at the framework of how Jesus lives with the 12 disciples in all of the gospels, we'll see that he is constantly discipling these people, living life with these people. It wasn't a Sunday and Wednesday event. It was a lifestyle that they live with these people. And we're called to do the same thing in regards to fellowship. So that's point two. For point one, remember, is your upward relationship. This is the prayer, reading, fasting, so on and so forth. It should be a daily habit. Not, of course, with fasting as much, but uh, reading and prayer should be a daily habit in regards to our inward relationship with God. 
in regards to our, um, that was our upward, excuse me, inward relationship is supposed to be the fellowship, discipleship, breaking of bread, challenging, encouraging, rebuking um, each other. That is the inward relationship we should have with one another. And then the last is the outward relationship that we're supposed to have. Again, back to Matthew 28, it says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that is now the commission that we are given to go out into the world. And Mark 16 says, preach the gospel to all creation there. Then if we look at Romans 10, 14, it says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. People aren't going to hear the good news of the gospel if no one preaches it to them. There's a quote that says, the good news is only good news if it gets to them in time. If the good news never gets to them, it's not good news at all. So it's extremely crucial that we make sure that people get that good news in time. If you look at the, the, the um, Acts of the Apostles, then we'll see again that it was very regular for them to be preaching the gospel to people. You can look at Acts 17 in Mars Hill. And I'm going to read this sermon, or this not sermon, but this preaching, this evangelism experience that Paul has with those in Mars Hill. He says in Acts 17, verse 22, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects, for I, while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heavens and earth, does not dwell in temples made by human hands, nor is he served by any human hands, as if he needs anything, since he gives him, or since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he has made one man, every nation of mankind, to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and exist, and, as, or, and even as some of your own poets have said, for we are also his children." Being then children of God, we ought to think that of the divine nature is like gold. Excuse me. We ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone in an image formed by the art of a man. Therefore, having overlooked the time of ignorance, God has now declared that all men everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising Jesus from the dead. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, they began to sneer, and some of them said, We shall hear you again on this matter. So then Paul went out of their midst, but some men joined him, believing among whom were, and then he named some of the people that were named. So this is just a clear picture of Paul preaching the gospel to the lost here. These are people who are worshiping pagan idols. But again, we are given the commission there in Matthew 28, as well as in Romans 10, to preach the gospel to people, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with those who are lost. We go to Matthew 25, another part of our outreach that we're supposed to do in regards to people is meeting their needs, right? I mean, we just read a little bit of that in Acts 2 about selling your possessions and laying with the apostles' feet so they could distribute them any as they might have a need. But we also see it in Acts, or excuse me, in Matthew 25, verse 34. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come to me, you who are blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you in the foundations before the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to drink and I was thirsty and you gave me, uh, for I was, excuse me, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat and I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me and I was naked and you clothed me and I was sick and you visited me and I was in prison. You came to me. 
Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, Lord, when did we see you all of these ways? And the king will, the king being Jesus, will answer them and say, truly I say to you, whatever, to the extent you've done unto the least of these brothers of mine, you've done unto me. And then he's going to turn to the goats, which are the false converts in his left hand, and say, when I was all of those things, you did not help me. And those goats, those false converts, those who thought that they were saved but weren't, will say back to him, Lord, when do we see you these ways? And he will respond, whatever you did not do unto the least of these, you did not do unto me. Go and spend eternity in the lake of fire. I fear that many Christians will hear this because they did not know these next steps that they were supposed to take in regards to their walk with Christ. So for you all, again, what is the answer to the question? What should I do after giving my life to Christ? Well, you have three huge steps in your walk with Christ. That's your upward relationship, your inward, then your outward in that order as well. First off, be spending time with Jesus, you one-on-one, every single day. Make that a part of your daily devotion to Jesus, is spending time with him. The second part I want you to do is get discipled by somebody if you haven't. That's part of your inward relationship and being constant fellowship with true, radical, like-minded believers. I'm not talking about people who are young teenagers who claim to love Jesus and are watching porn and drinking and sleeping with their girlfriends on the weekend. I'm talking serious believers. If that means you're hanging out with people who are much older than you, then amen and amen, so be it. But make sure that you're hanging out with people who are truly believers, not just people who profess Christ with their mouth, but people who actually profess Christ with their lifestyle. So that's the second portion of it, guys. And then the last portion is now doing the outreach, now showing other people the salvation that you had just found yourself. If you do these three steps, I guarantee you, you'll see your life radically change and you will look just like we saw Jesus living in scripture in regards to upward, inward, and outward relationships. So Make it a part of a discipline, guys. It's not going to be easy. It's not always fun, but it's so worth it. So it's going to really transform your hearts and transform your lives if you discipline yourselves and living the ways that Jesus has called you to. I urge you all right after um, you get done listening to this to go read Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14 talks about the cost of being a Christian. And I want to make sure that you guys have all taken seriously the command and the commission given to us as believers. And if not, I want you guys to drop to your knees right after reading Luke 14 and asking yourself to get right with God and begging God to um, show you, enlighten your heart, open the eyes of your heart to look as he has uh, asked you to look, which is to be conformed to the image of his son. So there's that. And if you are willing to make that make that decision and say, I'm willing to live radically for Jesus, I'm willing to look radically like this gospel has asked me to, then I want you to read Luke 15 right after that and see what God says about you, what God says to you after that. Once you do, And if you're already not part of the family, welcome to the family of Christ. We're super excited to have you and live life with you. And we're going to be rejoicing one day in heaven if I don't get to meet you all in this life. Uh, Lastly, the very last thing I want you guys to do is there should be a link under this video to this faith growth course that I have created. It's 100% free and it's going to take you step by step through all of those points that I just mentioned and show you how you can live your life like Christ daily and radically. So if you haven't gone through that yet or if you haven't finished it yet or even started it, please go check that out. It will really bless you guys. I don't get anything from this. I'm not making any money from it or anything. I just really want to be able to bless you guys and change um, how you have an outlook on Christianity. If you don't know where to find it or if you can't click the link for whatever reason, if you will go to my Instagram, which is Cody C. Wynn, C-O-D-Y-C, Wynn, W-I-N-N. Go to my Instagram account there um, and follow me and you'll see the link in my bio will take you right to the course. So that's it for this one. Love you all and I will see you guys in the next episode.